I'm Marion Wright and welcome to Favourite Friends. Thanks for joining us for part two of Winnie Numata's story. If you missed the last episode, make sure you scroll back up to have a listen. Winnie was talking about finding purpose in good works and she was absolutely brilliant. This episode's going to follow straight on from that conversation. Just like last time, we do want to give you a heads up. We do talk about death and grief in this episode. If you're experiencing grief at the moment, we want to encourage you to reach out to those who can assist you. People like your local campus pastor, a connect group leader, or even a crisis counsellor via Lifeline on 13 11 14. We also want to stand with you in prayer. We believe that God will reveal himself to you as the great counsellor and the source of comfort and peace. It's our prayer that sharing Winnie's story will bring life and encouragement and faith, especially to those who need it. So I want to touch on your relationship with your husband because we, um, you know, for the article we talked about um, finding purpose in times that are very testing and tough times. How many years ago now um, was he diagnosed? Um, probably four, five, six years. Six years ago. Six, six years ago and... Four years ago, he passed away. So he lived for two years after diagnosis. Yeah. Yes, when he was diagnosed with, he had brain cancer, which by the time it was picked up, it's already spread to his lungs and liver and <laughs> other parts of the body. Yes. Take take me back to um, the day where you both realised that something was wrong. Oh. And <laughs> take me back to, I guess, the point of diagnosis. What was that like? Um. Well, um, it's it was a like any other crisis situation. You're in shock um, and unbelief, <laughs> and just your whole it's like your whole life you had planned together. All of a sudden, it's not there, and yes, so it was. Yeah, it was, and you felt absolutely hopeless mm. at that at that exact point in time when you're told the news. Mm. Um, that all those mixed emotions come in mm. to play. Yes, uh, I remember you saying that you kind of figured out something was wrong because he couldn't write. His yes. Name, oh, right? yes. Yeah. Um, he couldn't. Um, he couldn't write the names of his grandchildren, and he couldn't do simple maths. Yeah. And that's when um, I thought, oh, we better. <laughs> With I, we actually thought he's had a stroke, a mini stroke. But yeah, no, it was much worse. Yeah. Mm. And you said you were waiting a long time at the hospital, and that was when you knew something was wrong. Yes, yes. I waited a very long time. And then when you see, <laughs> you see the nurse and the head doctor in the emergency come in, and another nurse come in together, you know it's not going to be good news. Yeah. What were those first. 24 hours like when you got given the diagnosis and you're dealing with the fact that yes the first 24 hours is very hard it's it's as I said you I was still in shock I think we were all still in shock you know you rang the kids they come in and everyone's crying and you know and just um it's 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 hard the whole for me like my whole world kind of like almost felt like it was oh well my whole world was falling apart you know the, I said oh you know I was crying he wasn't I don't know why not 
fight. <laughs> but he was really, um, he was almost like he was the strong one of the two of us. So uh, he, he was very calm. He didn't cry, but I was doing all the crying. Was that frustrating for you? Because you're over here crying and being very upset. And he's just being very calm. Um, Yeah, yes, it was a bit puzzling for me. But I think he was kind of trying to hold it together for everyone else, for for the both of us, really. It was just two of us there at that time. So I think he was just trying to hold it together. And I think he was in shock as well. So, yes, I don't don't know whether he realised the seriousness of it all. But I think for me, because I think I'm a, because being a nurse and I have a medical background, I knew as soon as they said it spread to his lungs, and then I thought immediately, it's finished, you know, because I knew I know that it, you know, they call it metastatic sort of cancer, so it spread everywhere. It's really hard to control. My whole knowledge, medical knowledge, kicked in, and you know, and I just kind of had, I saw the whole plan in front of me. You know, he's going to go into this. He's going to have chemo, and then he's going to get really sick. I just saw it all because I've done it. it. Because that's that's my life. That was that's my job. You know, I've gone through that journey with a lot of patients. You know, where you see them come in, you admit them, and then you see them go to surgery, and then the next thing I move on to do, you know, give chemo, and and people are there. You know, and then. When you go to the war to the palliative war, they're there. You give out pain relief. So it was like, for me, it was really hard because I kind of immediately I saw that journey that we were going to be faced with. But he didn't know. So I guess ignorance is bliss in that case. Yeah. What did you say to God in why (laughs) there was a lot of why 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 now why you know immediately I thought thought we were going to get old together so (laughs) why yeah what what brought you comfort in that time um once my shock I think was I got over my shock and that uh probably a day 24 to 48 hours um my faith started to kick in. I was kind of like, okay, so this is what you have now. And then, yeah, and then I said, no, we said we believed for a miracle, we prayed, we fasted, we, you know, all the things that we do um, for, yeah, and, yeah, just praying and believing, you know, the for a miracle to happen and, yeah, for healing, total healing which he did he did have a bit of a relapse and um which because the doctor said well probably within six months and um and he went for nearly 24 just over two years so yes yeah there was even a time that it did the cancer did shrink and they were able to take the one out but they couldn't do the one for the lung but they were able to do the one in the head so yeah there was a time there that things looked as if it, we were going to make it but yeah so he did pass away mm. um four years ago now four years yeah. yes and um amazing in that you were saying that he was he was only given you know a small amount of time to live and you did get some extra time with him when when he did pass away where was your heart? Where was, you know, what I were you believe, to God? I believed for a miracle right to the end. And I always had this tension right to the end of my faith and my medical background. <laughs> my faith yeah, and I, my medical I background. I can imagine that 
yes. such a tough place to be it when is, you're faced with yes. the facts and the data and the science of yes. it. And then this belief that you have that God can heal. Yes. And he does heal. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So that is, that's always been a tension for me throughout the whole um, process was um, believing for healing. And I never, ever, I never gave up believing for healing. Um, and this, and you just see him deteriorate slowly, deteriorated until like he was fully unconscious. But I was still believing. And um, Pastor Robin came and that was our pastors at the time, Robin and and Sanjay, and they came and prayed. And Robin came like on his second last day, I think. There was, I think it was a Sunday morning because he he passed away on Monday. But she came Monday, um, Sunday. Then I think she came back again in the evening. But she she prayed so powerfully that woman in that room, and you know, and and it lifted me, and I we. I just kept believing, you know, he's going to, even though he was unconscious, he was on very strong pain relief at the time. And, um, and I know, and for me, medically, I knew that that is a last, that is it, Winnie, that's a last leg of this, this process is that is, that's it. Once you have that, you know, that those medication, he's unconscious, you know, the medication for pain, you know, it's just to make them comfortable you know, really, and um, but I never gave up um, hope for a miracle right to the last minute to the point that I think that was my only regret is that I didn't say goodbye properly. I knew I had to say goodbye because we even discussed his funeral and all that when he was fully awake and alert with the children, you know, what he wants done, where he wants to be buried. So we did prepare in that way. But I, I didn't. I don't think I ever really said goodbye. You know, I'll meet you in heaven or something like that. But you know, that was because I felt that I don't know that saying that last farewell is like a confession or declaration of lack of faith on my part. That was that was my tension. Yeah, I remember you saying that. That mm. even just acknowledging death. Yes, was a, a really big thing because mm. it would be like this admission yes. of a lack of faith. Yes, I don't know why I thought like that, but yeah. you know. So mm. when he did pass, and you're now finding yourself in a season of grief, what sustains you? How do you get through that? How do you find purpose in a time of loss? My um. The, the scripture I've had throughout the whole ordeal was um, that I will never leave you nor forsake you. And that scripture, have always, it's, it has kept and sustained me throughout the whole thing. And then even right to when he passed, um, I really, I did not have any tears. I did not cry. Really? Maybe because I've done a lot of crying beforehand. Yeah, right. So I really, I had no, I did not cry at all during the whole thing, the funeral and the... Um, but I ha- I did feel relieved. I felt relief when he was finally gone. I think because just seeing him in a lot of pain and all the rest. So when he did finally go, he was um, I was relieved. But then I also knew that you know that he was going to a better place, and that is the greatest comfort for me. And I think for all of my children as well was that hope that we do have as Christians that you know he's just going to sleep and will he's now healed in heaven so that was yeah I think our faith was the sustaining 
factor in that grief. But you still grieve. You, know, you still miss them in this life. You know, you miss everything you used to do together. So, I mean, that's normal. That's a normal process of going through grief. Um, but for me, though, amazingly, uh, my grief probably lasted three to four months or even and then yes I was ready to move on (laughs) like as in move on away from you know being in that constant state of grieving yeah Yeah. but that was um um I had a revelation from God with that one I think that's why I was able to move on fairly quickly uh was because I used to go to his grave nearly every day you know and just do stuff and there was even a time that I really did start to question where we go when we do leave this earth and um and question where he was going so I was concerned for for that somehow I don't know why all of a sudden I became fearful and said okay where is he gone God is he there with you or where is he is he really life after death so I was and then um somehow and then I was at the graveside and then you know just God just said to me, you know, where are you? So if if he's not here, then there's no point in you going to church either. Or wow. You might as well stop what you're doing now with the children, you know, and just wow. go and do your own thing. And, you know, it was more or less I got a told off, actually. Get off. <laughs> God does that sometimes. I know. <laughs> say, get off your high horse. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So from there on, I was, yeah, I said, okay great he's there so that was it so it was no yeah I I was able to move on and just put things in place so that I don't keep going back to that place of sadness you know (laughs) yeah because for you moving on was very active you were very matter of fact I even remember you saying about you know you hated his music I know (laughs) I hated it it all the time I know after he was gone and for you it was a very matter of fact all right put the music away you know we're not gonna play it anymore yes so I put it away I put the music away I got rid of the clothes I I just did all those things you know I kind of like got a bit very practical with it and real with it you know I thought well he's not here so there's no the memory will never die there's no point in hanging on to stuff so yes I put those measures in place and and it did help me a lot in moving forward and moving on rather than staying in a state so then what do I achieve in staying in a state of sadness it's not going to bring him back I mean, I don't recommend it for everybody, but <laughs> yeah. but for me, I looked at okay. Well, there was a period that I need to grieve because I yeah. think everyone needs to yeah, grieve, absolutely. and everyone's a bit different. Yeah. But for me, that's what I did, and I put a time frame to it. But I think once I had that confirmation in my heart from the Holy Spirit, I was at peace. I think so. It's very important that you get your own revelation from God what's happening, and what where you know. It, it's important that you do get that revelation, and then. Because then, as you know, you know, and then you just kind of move on with such confidence and, yeah, spring and you're stepping in. I think it's an important reminder to do those tough seasons with God. Absolutely. And listen for his voice, even when everything in you wants to just ignore it and dwell in your humanity and, you know, Mm. give in to your emotions and wallow. It's a very comfortable place. Yes. (laughs) It's a pity party, you know, and it's a very... Um, it's a tempting place yes. to stay in there, but those are really important moments where we need to have a word from God. Yes, absolutely. To keep us 
I think we need to have that word in every season in our lives. We do need that. We need that daily revelation anyway. You know, we do need, you know, especially in tough season, you do need that. Although in tough season, it can be hard to hear God's voice because all we're focusing on is our pain and and our sadness. Yes. They seem to overtake that. So, and, um, but I think that's when I think you need to sort of, put strategies in place i don't know i'm mm. a nurse we have very we have all these strategies and processes things that you have to do mm. i'm sure it's the same everywhere else and um but they do help mm. like you know like even if you don't feel like, if i didn't feel like it i put the worship music on i turn off those other songs that yeah. tends to to said, make yeah. you stay in that place because i don't like staying in that place it's too sad i think but i think if you, it's like a wound that if you keep opening it it will st- it will open gape even more. So I think it is important to have a, a time of grieving, but then you this, it's got to be a time that you have to put measures in to try and, and stop that grieving and move forward. We just want to let you know something very important coming up in the calendar is our Favour Women's Conference starting on Friday the 27th of July. We want to invite you to come together with all the girls right across Australia and even Mumbai and we're going to really press into God. It's going to be very powerful, very practical and I'd love to see you there. When, you know, when he was diagnosed and you said, you asked God why, Yes. And I could imagine that there would have been many more why questions as you followed through in that journey. Did you ever get those answers? No. <laughs> I think I'll find that out when I get yeah. to heaven. I never knew the why. Yeah. And um, no, I never knew why. But then that, I think those are the times that you really learn, just learn to you just trust God and even if you don't understand. Even if you don't understand, mm-hmm. especially in times when you don't, we don't understand. Because I think as you go through those tough seasons, you don't understand a lot of things. And it's never until you get to the other end, when you've come out of those seasons, then you kind of like, you know, you look back and you thought, well, God, you were there. Like, for example, for that season when he was really sick, the spinal cord and then down the, the very bottom and then... He, he became like paralyzed all of a sudden. Wow. He stood up to go to the toilet and he just fell. Wow. So it's hit the, the spinal cord, that part of where the nerves are that control the walking and all the rest. He was then immediately just became like a little child, you know, that like everything has to be done for him and, you know, other than breathing, that was the only thing he was doing. So that was really hard. And then um, he, he survived for another week, two, nearly two weeks like that. And I did pray and I prayed a lot and I said, God, you know, if, because he wanted to come home. So I got David and Drew to move back so that they can help because he's going to be full on. And I said, Lord, I don't want to take my husband home like this. You know, if you want, if you're going to heal him, heal him, but otherwise take him home. And yeah, so that was like a week, probably four or five days later and then, he passed away, yeah. yes. And plus throughout his whole journey, we always had, he was really good until the very last four weeks. That was the only time he was dependent, you know, where he was then in hospital. But before that, he was able, he does everything himself. He was still able to, to go and play golf. 
and, and do all this stuff. So, you know, and they, and we've always had, and he was never a person that he didn't look like he was worried about what was happening with him. Um, he probably did, but he didn't show it. He, I never saw it. So all those things kind of look back on it and, and this incredible peace that we did have throughout the whole thing was, um, yeah, it's only God. <laughs> so, so those things as you go through it, you know, it felt like sometimes you just felt like, is it, you know, really lonely in there? But as you come out of it, you know, you kind of look back and it was only you, God, you know. I don't think I'll ever be really as peaceful. Which just always have a peace about the whole thing and him being so calm throughout the whole that whole ordeal right until he he passed away and and being independent until the last four weeks and then you know when it was time to go God just took him and he didn't need to come home and you know so all those I think I think it's Bill Johnson that said um, if you want the peace that transcends understanding you have to give up your right that's to it understand. yes and that's hard to do I mean I I cannot even imagine what those years were like but I could imagine that it would be easy to be angry with God I could imagine that it would be easy to be very confused I was confused purposes oh absolutely I do you know you do get confused about um especially about the healing thing you know because we're believing for healing yeah everything and then to the point where sometimes you feel guilty like okay what are we not doing right why isn't the healing do i not have happening? enough faith do i have not enough faith exactly all those questions yes certainly there are times of confusion and it would be easy to blame god you know the things like this life events like this have the potential to turn us away from him how do you how do you keep that intimacy between you and god when you have no idea why something is happening the way that it's happening um for me i never doubted god's existence never never did um i never did why it didn't occur it confused me why the healing didn't happen that was a bit confusing for me um but i never ever for one minute doubted god's existence or that he's a good god um i never doubted that and and i guess you know out of when you've had those encounters in the past you kind of like go back to that and you know you it reminds you of the goodness of god and i never ever so i never doubted his goodness or his faithfulness but i was confused why the healing wasn't happening yes so stuff like this it can't change our theology of god we have to still remember he's still good. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's where, you know, we, it all comes down to you, your heart yeah. understanding and, and um, just that relationship with God that you've had in the first place, uh, that first encounter, love encounter you've had with him. You've tasted the goodness of God and know what he's like. So, you know, when you go through a tough season, it's tough. Sometimes it feels lonely but yeah, uh, for me, I never doubted. I never doubted God's um, hand is still in there. Um, I didn't quite exactly see where, but that is hindsight, you know, when you do get to the other end, you do look back and you think, yes, you were always there. Yes. You were saying that because you prayed for healing for so long with him mm. and um, your faith, I guess, really took you know you you were affected by that yes. when he still passed away at the end 
And you said that you really struggled in praying for healing for other people. I did for a long time. I struggled (laughs) for a long time. I um because I was also in the intercessors team as well for the church in the church, and I love praying for people. But somehow I'll pray for every other need, but not for healing, physical healing for people, because I always felt condemned that when my husband died. So really, Winnie, does it really? Does it really happen? So would this be like a voice in your head? Yes. You know, we all wow. have voices in our head. Yeah, that tells us Let's not I pretend do. that we don't. <laughs> we all talk to ourselves. I do. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, yeah, but we all know now where that, those voices yes, come from. Yes, but, yeah, it was kind right. of – but that – I was always reminded of that, that that didn't happen. So, therefore, how can you pray for other people? So it took me a while to um, – so I was – so I um, – I listened to a lot of teachings on healing with and some of those people, you know, I listened to a lot of Bill Johnson's podcast, um, Randy, um, I can't remember, sorry, I can't remember his surname. Um, so I listened to a lot of their podcasts and teachings on healing and, um, and that's where I started. I said, okay. Well, um, and from there on, I kind of started to slowly start to to pray for people again for healing. Yes, and that was so. My friend that got healed from her depression was the first thing that happened after really? that. So from that, it was kind of like God was saying, "See, I told you, healing still happens." But you know, I think when people are not healed, we immediately think that God can't heal. But it's not God's part that is not happening. I don't know what it is, but it, we should ne- yeah, we should never feel condemned that it's because of something that we're not doing or God's not doing that caused the healing not to happen. You say now that you're even more zealous yes. about praying for people yes. now who need healing. Yes, I am. Um, it's and and I'm even more like um. I want to know more and more and more. I want to know more about healing and, you know, and, and, and I'm just stepping out even more now um, to pray for people to be healed. That's really amazing. Mm. So today you um, still have a bunch of kids. You've <laughs> still got a bunch of grandkids. But life looks very different now than it does or than it did, you know, Um what does life look like now? What does purpose look like now for you? What's God saying to you in this season? Well, life now, I of course, I'm a widow and I'm very content to have no one else as in a partner or a husband in my life now in this season. Um, what's happening right now? Like Whatever happens, what's happening at work? Um, what my purpose is at work? Um, in the church, what's happening at church. So again, it all comes back to my eyes are opened. I'm looking around. What's the need there is? Of course, work is ongoing. Um, for this season, like right now, I'm in a season of um, relieving my boss at work. So it's a, a leadership role that I do have at work. And I came into a season of um, um Restlessness, I guess, upheaval in the work, in my workplaces, low morale, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I, I went in there with totally unprepared, as in I've never done that before. A very um, 
on the edge kind of role. And I said, God, I need you because I have no idea what I'm going in for. But yes, yeah, so, but now it's the third week of me doing that. And I'm actually sitting back and because I prayed every morning, Lord, help, Jesus, help, you know. I need your presence, you know, release your peace in this whole atmosphere, you know. And I felt, you know, that the Holy Spirit is telling me to pray for everybody wow. in there. So I pray yeah. them their names all one by one, all my work colleagues, all the doctors that I work with, even the AO, you know, the admin officer girl, you know. So, and it's amazing. It's been very peaceful. I've even heard a comment, it's never been this peaceful in here. <laughs> so, really? I know, in the clinics, yes, they said, I don't know, but it's never been this smooth as in, you know, people are not rushing around like, you know, with causing a lot of noise and chaos and stuff. But it's very peaceful at work right now in two weeks. For the two weeks, three weeks I've been there. So I guess in this season... Um, I felt like, you know, that God has called me into that position of leadership in, in this season for a reason um, to, you know, as I said, to represent him in there, um, to bring it to him and let the Holy Spirit do his work in there. It's awesome. Mm. And at church, well, again, it's just opening your eyes, see where, what's the need in the church and what can you do to help. So I've given. I've just stepped out of IC Care. I've had a season there, three, four years nearly, with IC Care, and I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And now I'm stepping. I've. I looked around. And I see the old people there. There was an old couple that I haven't seen them in church for a long time, and um, found out that they've been sick and they can't drive. So they've, you know, and I often wonder where are they? Where are they? You know, so you see the, um, so that's what I'm doing now. I'm just starting up a seniors ministry at West. So awesome. Keeping an eye, yeah, so I'm starting slowly, just seeing um, the most urgent needs, which is at the moment just finding, for those that can't find transport, because as you get older, you know, your heart gives up and you can't drive anymore, it's not safe, therefore they have no transport of getting to and from church, so it's just organising people to pick them up, Um, someone else from in a wheelchair organising her to because now the you know they need an escort to travel with her in the taxi to and fro, and that's a lot of work for volunteers, and not very many of them. But but now you know I prayed about it, and now I used to do it all just by myself for the last two months, three months. But now there's I've got four or five people on my roster, so that's awesome. Quite, so yeah, so life's it's just still happening. Life still happens. Purpose is still happening. Purpose happens. Yeah, you're never without a purpose. Yeah. There is lots and lots of work that I already prepared. They're there. You just have to open our eyes. Don't be afraid. Listen to, to the look. promptings of the yeah. Holy Spirit. It's there. Yeah. Just have to step out. I want to close with um, asking you to just share maybe some encouragement or some advice for women who might find themselves in similar situations. Whether in seasons, stuff is happening, they don't know why. Um, maybe faith is being tested, you know, maybe our, the core beliefs that we have of God are being tested. What encouragement can you offer? 
fix your eyes on Jesus. <laughs> um, and sometimes that's hard, as I said earlier, because sometimes the noise and what's happening, the, the crisis you're in, the waves, the storm, the wind is blowing, and it's sometimes you, it can be hard to hear God's voice or even, you know, feel his presence. But just that belief in our heart from, you know, you go back to the times when, you know, you remember the faithfulness of God in those past experiences and meditate on that, you know, and keep crying out to him. Have a revelation for revelation, have a, a scripture from, you know, revelation of a scripture that you will meditate on and, you know, and just keep on trusting in him. Fix your eyes on Jesus and um, keep on holding on, you know, through the storm and you will get to the other end and that, you know, because he's there right in the middle of the storm with us, even though we may not feel it or hear it, but he's there. So it's just that belief and never, just never giving up on that, you know, on our trust in God, you know, in Jesus that he's there. Mm. He's the only constant in our lives. Everything else can change but he's the only constant that will never change. That's awesome. Well, I'm going to wrap it up there. Thank you so much for sitting down with me and sharing your story. It's a big story, you know, and we probably didn't even get into all the nitty gritty (laughs) of it, to be honest, but thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you know someone who needs to hear this, why don't you share this episode and make sure you subscribe to us in iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram at favor.women and for more information, visit us at icchurch.com. We'll see you next time.